Thanks for being here, man. My Appreciate pleasure, it. man. Thanks for having me. Associate Head Strength and Conditioning Coach for Los Angeles Lakers. Yep. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Thank you. Yeah, how how, how long have you been in the league right now? Um, started in 2005 with the Seattle Supersonics, so yeah. that kind of dates me a little bit. But so like 15, 14 yeah, years? Uh, 14, this is, yeah, this is my 14th in the NBA. I had a little wow. gap here and there where I coached for China for a little bit. But, a long uh, time. Yeah, a long time. So, so Sonics, and you were in Atlanta. Correct. Uh, Memphis and mm -hmm. Lakers. Now here, yeah. Nice, that's cool. How many years total? 14. 14. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's as long as I've been a strength coach, actually more. <laughs> I've been in strength yeah. coach for like 12 now. Nah, this, this is cool because I mean, when I first started, I mean, you're probably not gonna remember, but um, uh, as the assistant, we went to Chicago for a conference. Yeah. Um, I mean, you were the most approachable guy that I was like, oh, man, this, 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 it was cool. Yeah, cool. You yeah. know, because, um, I mean, our association is great yeah. now, but like before, like trying to figure out, which was nine years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't even know was the, was the association still there at that time because there were there was it was there and then it kind of fell apart and then it started back up again. I think it was starting back yeah, up. Yeah, but yeah. I think it was like a second year or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I think I sat with like the same table as you and yeah. it was uh, it was cool. Cool man. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it was it was interesting. Always try to welcome the new people and make them feel comfortable stuff like that. I think there's we have a good group of strength coaches in the NBA. They're genuinely good people a lot of the time. So to kind of carry on with that tradition. That's kind of what I got in. I, I met some really cool guys early on. Dwight Dobb um, was one of my mentors and, and kind of showed me the ropes and, and you know, kind of takes that to get into the field and get comfortable with stuff. So anytime I can do that, it's, uh, it's kind of a, yeah. an honor to be able to do that with, with people having experienced that myself. So That's cool. And then uh, Shapiro said he went to high school with you yeah. too, right? Same high school. Seven. Two strength coaches in the NBA that went to high school together at the same time. So that's, that's, a, cool. that's another How unique crazy thing. Yeah. You guys are literally yeah. sharing classes. We, we actually lived probably three blocks away from each no other way. too. Uh, we were talking about it a little while awesome. ago. Yeah. But you never, like, you spoke each other before at all? We, uh, a little. He was two years older than me. So I, I was a, a sophomore when he was a senior. So we weren't like in the same space all the time, but I definitely knew who he was. His younger brother's one year younger than me and we played football together. So I always knew Daniel, we weren't close. We became a lot closer once we were professional strength coaches and stuff. Cool. We had a lot of the same mentors. Was it more like, oh, hey, you? What? Yeah, yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that for sure. Um, and, and just, I'm like, you, you, you're doing this too and you're here, okay, let's, uh, let's, run, let's run with this. Yeah, so it's been, uh, it's been yeah, cool to awesome. kind of just, share war stories and stuff like that over the years. And he's helped me a ton as far as, you know, he got into the field before I did and he kind of helped me uh, meet the right people to kind of mm -hmm. make some of the moves that I've made, so. How important is that for career development? Uh, unfortunately, it's a, it's a huge piece of it. I wish we could all just kind of um, stand on, our, on the quality of our work and stuff like that. But if you don't know the right people, I mean, that's a huge piece of it. Your network is, is really gonna determine your, you know, where you go in the field, so. Yeah. Um, I don't like to over-network or, or overvalue my network. Um, I'd like to earn my network, you know, earn the respect of the people that, that I value in the field. Um, but it is a piece of it. So like to, to disregard that would be a mistake, I yeah. think. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. How was it a little bit from the beginning um, as chatting, wanting to be a strength coach yeah. to then finally chatting, becoming a strength coach? Yeah. I mean, early on, you're kind of... Uh, you look at the field and, and there's so much information and even now, you know, the, the ability to access information with the internet and stuff like that. The internet wasn't as nearly as good of a resource as it is now yeah. when I started, but, um, you know, just kind of sifting through and, and seeing different philosophies, different training techniques, stuff like that is, is a little bit overwhelming at first, but 
you know, after you know being in it as long as I have, um, trial and error has been one of my best teachers. Just experience, you know, and, and just trying different things, see what works, see what guys respond to, and see physiologically what guys, you know, are, we, are these things that we're doing actually improving them uh, and their ability to perform. So, um, you know, that 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 is probably what's what's changed the most is just experience. And um, yeah. I, my philosophy hasn't changed. I, I value progressively overloading and getting stronger you know what I mean that's where your your durability is going to come in you're gonna have stronger bones you're gonna have stronger connective tissue and um, there's a certainly a place for corrective exercise or functional exercise but to me the the basis and the foundation of what we do is getting stronger and, mm -hmm. and different movements that you value for your sport so that's very interesting because I remember you were the first weight room that I've seen with a punching bag Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. you you're passionate about martial arts sure. and then, uh, you know uh, boxing and things like that um, how like how do you use that kind of like more functional side training the guys yeah. if you do train the guys that way sure um, and I don't spend that's kind of a alternative conditioning strategy mm -hmm. for me in all honesty that ended up being just my personal punching bag for what it was for the players um, I was I was I was so into boxing at the time I figured you know off season we get a ton of value out of that we'd bring different coaches in to train mm -hmm. with them but we didn't use it as much as I as I thought we would but um, some guys who have boxed and I've met some NBA players who are who are really good like had great hands and had a good background like maybe amateur backgrounds fought golden gloves and stuff like that so we had a lot of fun doing that stuff um, but it's not necessarily a huge piece of what I do but the, the functional side of things, I mean, certainly we want to load, but not mm -hmm. everybody's ready for that. And um, not everybody's in a space timing-wise where that's maybe the most appropriate thing to do. Certainly there's always forms of a squat, there's forms of a hinge, there's forms of a push and a pull that you should do or could do that are progressions or regressions. There's always a way to put it in there, but I think, you know, kicking on stabilizing muscles that help protect the joint, things like that, I think there's a ton of value there too. So. Um, especially before competition or preparing for games, mm -hmm. kind of getting guys ready in that way, I think is pretty useful. Where you don't, you're not overloading them and, and putting them in a state where they're fatigued and not able to perform the way, the way they want to do. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Just kind of good way to get the body kicked on. So um, for me, I, that's kind of probably my biggest application of functional training. I mean, what's not functional? What is functional? That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But we'll uh, exactly. Um, but I think you know. Pre-game, kind of prior to actually performing, I think is a great way to do some lower threshold functional type of training. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, like, what got you into martial arts in the first place? Because I know, I know you you like jujitsu. I know yeah. you've done a lot of boxing. How how was that? Like, where did it came in into your life? And like, when did you decide? Like, you know what? I'm gonna go. Yeah. Roll or no? Punch. It's, a, it's a great question. Um, so I, I was a football player in high school and college. That was kind of, I did some other things, but those were kind of my, my that was my main sport. And so training for football is kind of survival in a lot yeah. of ways. And so I really learned to love and value that process. And mm -hmm. so I almost loved training more than I loved playing football. So um, that kind of set me off on That's like, I, I, and then, you know, when I got to college, I, I saw that, you know, I mean, obviously, um, we had strength coaches and I was like, oh, that'd be interesting. As, I, as I'm studying, I forgot what, I, what my first major was, but, um, <laughs> as I was studying for, you know, philosophy or whatever it was, um, it kind of dawned on me that like I could be a strength coach and maybe I should switch gears here. So I started to kind of pick their brains a little bit and how to actually get into the field. I ended up getting a, a, a BS in exercise science, kind of knowing that's the, the direction that I wanted to go. Okay. And, uh, 
that kind of set the whole thing in motion. And um, after after college, um, training was obviously a huge. If you want to be a strength coach, if you don't train, that's problem. That's a problematic thing. So, yeah. um, really continued to value training. And then I had kind of built myself up to the point where I felt like I was pretty strong and I'm in pretty good shape. And and that was cool. But now, like I, I want to, I have a, a a better machine that I'm working with. How can I apply this? And so always was really interested in um, from the first UFC on just like that's fascinating not just the machismo aspect of beating somebody up but like that's how we defend ourselves as a species mm -hmm. it's almost bigger yeah. than that it's really fascinating it, and then at the higher levels it's a human chess match especially with jujitsu things yeah. like that but even boxing it's there's there's so much thought Strategy, process yeah and then so it was it was a great way for me to kind of apply my my physical machine that I had kind of created and and uh, it's unbelievable exercise and it's uh, it certainly beat running you know uh, for miles or riding on a bike anything like that so uh, it was really interesting um, and then I was kind of I had a useful skill hopefully I'll never have to get in a fight again in my life but if I did at least I'd have some idea what to Consider do so belt, yeah, yeah exactly so. That's kind of how I got into that. Yeah, that's cool. awesome. Because and I bet what you've learned in martial arts probably transfers to somehow in coaching, though. I think so, especially. Well, one thing that, that I got from boxing, if you're really tight and just trying to power your punches all the time in boxing, you're going to get gas so quickly. Mm. Um, learning to relax and actually being faster and more, more efficient and productive when you relax, um, that kind of... that. that you know, clicked on a light bulb in my head yeah. to where like guys learn to, need to really learn how to be efficient with their energy. Now they're they're unbelievable athletes to begin with, but I think kind of applying some of those principles into your training, things like that, can yeah. be could be really useful. And then with jujitsu, there's there's so many you know lessons Very to learn. Well, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a whole it's a whole uh, discipline of of thought process. I mean, I've met some brilliant jiu-jitsu practitioners i'm a white belt so by no means am i yeah. far along but it's just it's a fascinating sport and something i'll probably continue to do whether i move up in belts or not it's just something kind of cool to keep in touch with yeah and very different on the martial arts perspective from boxing i mean being on your back or whatever whatever wherever you find yourself it's uh such a unique uh, yeah. sport and so different from boxing they're but they're both uh, super useful, you know, in, yeah. in, in that field. So, dude, I love it. He said something that we were talking about the other day. Felipe brought that up, right? Uh -huh. About like being a more efficient athlete. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like from an energy system standpoint. Sure. And then, like, how, and it was funny because you said it, and I kind of didn't like, I didn't put too much value into right away. But then, like, as I'm riding the elevator, I'm like, dude, that's crazy. And yeah. now you just said it, and it's like, it, it's true because the more energy you want to put out, it's more taxing on the body. For sure. So like, we, you can chime in whenever, but like we're talking about martial arts and you know, being stiff and trying to punch yeah. as hard as you can when really you're looking for some sort of efficiency fluidity, and smoothness. Yeah, absolutely, no question. But, and then like, you see now we're talking about how to coach athletes. Yeah. You know, and you see the absolutely. muscling stuff. And sure. It's like, it's like, it's crazy how a simple, like you just learning a different martial art yeah. is like kind of shaping a philosophy of a coach. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think, you know, you, there, there's so many things that you can do in your life that can improve you as a coach, you know, and if you're kind of one dimensional, you're just thinking about bars and, and weights and how, you know, rate of force development, there, all these things are, are super valuable what we do, but I think it, there's a, 
you know, value them as human beings and understand that there's different learning patterns for people too. Everybody's, uh, uh, you know, different types of learners out there. And if you can kind of connect with them on something, because you have a broader bucket or tool belt to pull from, I think, you know, all that stuff's really useful. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Mainly because, you know, in the NBA, players are so skilled. Yes. And, you know, like they, they grew up like playing basketball, playing sure. basketball and yeah. um, not in the weight room. You know, not a lot of players understand why to lift yes. weights. You know, so I feel like the energy um, explanation, like there, there's different yeah. ways to approach everybody. Sure, you know, for uh, sure. You know, uh, but like the explanation of like, hey, how to be more efficient with yeah. your energy. Right. Um, I find very like players are very receptive to that. For sure. You know, and I'd be like, hey, I want you playing the same energy you had in the first quarter, in the fourth quarter, right? Overtime. You know, and they're don't like, be wasteful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just waste. To the point that you're making right now too is like, and that, that's something that's changed. That kind of made me go back to another question you guys asked, but like what's kind of changed over the years, and and that's a big piece of it too. I think people value the weight room from 2005 to now. Sure. Um, this has become much more ingrained in in the culture of our sport, where sure. where before it was kind of like oh, I don't want to go in the weight room and get sore and squat. Who yeah. I don't want to put a bar on my back that's and like, yeah. and there's so many different ways to squat. And I think early on. Strength coaches a lot of times kind of came from the genesis of, of our field, which was like college football, mm. essentially. And if you train a basketball player like that, that's not going to work for a lot of guys. They just don't have the prerequisite uh, structural strength. Their, their tissues are not prepared to do that. And if you put a, you know, if you squat a guy or deadlift somebody or what, whatever you're doing and they're not prepared to do it, they're going to turn off from what you're doing. So I think... Um, there was a shift that was more to like corrective exercise when mm. the NASM and things like that got involved and that was a good step in the right direction. Um, but then we needed to kind of circle back and be like, oh, loading is still really useful yeah. though. There just depends on how you do it. So I think we've gotten to a point, there's been an evolution in the field to where now we're kind of merging the two worlds and figuring out to meet a guy where he's at, but not, you know, don't take your eye off the ball of uh, progressive overload and actually getting stronger too. Yeah. So it's that's been kind of a fascinating arc to see in our yeah. field. It's very interesting you say that because, um, I mean, I'm you know from Brazil, so I'm a big soccer fan. Sure. So I, fi I, fi I follow the Bayer and Monique. Yeah. Like they're winning yeah. everything. Right. So they just posted like uh, their main, like five or six main players yeah. the before and after. And I mean, they just got so much bigger yeah. when they went to Bayer. They're like, what are you feeding you guys? Yeah. And the strength coach just came and like, Guys, it's called weight training. <laughs> the, basics, yeah. the basics, the yeah. basics. Yeah. It, I mean, it gets said over and over and over again, but man, the basics can take you where you want to go. I mean, complexity for the sake of complexity or for just novel stimulus. I mean, there's a time and a place, I guess, for that, but if you can change levels by squatting or hinging, if you can you know, do a push, a pull, and then unilateral variations of all those things and train your core, that's really, I don't know how much more complicated than that it needs to be. I mean, there's always going to be, you know, ways to evolve and improve what you do as a coach, but the basics still remain. I mean, mm -hmm. that hasn't changed too much since the beginning. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, going back to when you first started now, like how much do you think players get better by practice itself and then everything else they do? Yeah. If that makes sense. Because, I mean, when yeah. if, you know, like practice is practice, yeah. right? I mean, the players sure. are going to get better, but like, seems like practice are not being less and less, they're just being more efficient. Yeah. Because now it's all about that load and For you sure. know, how many minutes they play this yeah. and GPS data. You're right. Um, 
those things are very important sure. and helps, but Absolutely. at the same time, I feel like all the extra work around before and after yeah. practice are making the players better 100%. and prepared to play the game versus just like, let's go and practice for three hours. Right. And that, that, you know, that was something early on. Practices were much longer. And so guys were gassed by the end, so they're playing very slowly because they're tired, right? And mm -hmm. the coach thinks, oh, these guys aren't in good shape. Let's practice more. And so there's a... There's a, a saying that fatigue masks fitness. When someone's tired, you can't really tell how, how fit they are because they're not actually showing you because they're gassed. And so that could be kind of counterintuitive to what you're seeing as a coach. Um, and then you learn to play slowly, which is not what we want. So like having a shorter, intense practice, you're gonna be able to be faster for, um, you know, you're gonna learn to play fast. So hopefully that carries over in the game where your timing is, is, is much better. And then um, one thing that kind of, you know, and I've had debates with many coaches about this, and I usually, they don't back off from their point, but I don't typically either. But I, I think we just well, shoot, <laughs> they just shoot with nobody yeah. out there all the time. And certainly muscle memory, you want to lock in that motor pattern. And the great shooters typically shoot a lot, I get it. But it seems like there's so much time spent shooting against nobody. I don't know what that's getting you. It's not going to be the same timing. It's not going to be um, the same, you know, a, a defender coming at you with a hand up. It's 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 a totally different thing. So I think Pressure there's situation. exactly there. There's yeah. to kind of spend so much time on that. I think it's something that we should kind of continue to revisit as a as a sport. Is is meaningless repetitions. Mm. Not that they're meaningless. I get it. Uh, great shooters need to shoot a lot, but I think just to kind of try to really take an intelligent approach and not doing any more than you have to is, is something to think about because you're repeating the same pattern over and over and over again. The body only has, it's finite, you know what I mean? We're not indestructible. If you do the same pattern over and over and over and over something again. Something chronic can pop. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. But, but it's crazy because like you can break all that into levels yes. of like foundational movement, which yeah. will be the skill or the adoption of the early skill from a movement standpoint. Sure mechanics whatever and then you start ingraining and building the blocks to the right. point where like hey why do i need the skill for and then practice in that situation absolutely actually episode what was it with john yeah. we, we were talking about quality minutes yeah and then what does that really mean right and then now we're talking about like do you think there's a difference of regular season minutes to playoff minutes yeah. For sure. Right? Yeah. Without we're question. all seeing this and yeah. then now you like even like further like you think there's a difference between the difference between time for starters in the regular season and time for starters in playoff. Yeah, for sure. Because you're gonna you're gonna play your best guys as long as you can. Because you want to winning exactly. If you lose a regular season game, it's obviously not good, but it's not the end. If you lose a playoff game, it's over. So you yeah. have to do what you you have to put your best product on the floor. Um, so 100%, and they're, and they're playing as hard as they possibly can because mm -hmm. it's it's the highest level of our competition. I would even argue that there's a difference from round to round. You know yeah, what I mean? For like, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I totally agree with and, you. And what's the difference of sparring? Right. Exactly. And then actually going to a scheduled fight or match. Right. Where you have no idea who. Well, you have right. an idea who the guy is, but sure. like, he doesn't care about you. Right. Exactly. Or drilling jujitsu was like, Boom. here, I'm gonna let you do the technique on me, and yeah. I'm gonna tap real quick. Or right. like, you go to a tournament and you try to do the same. The technique. guy won't tap to anything. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, yeah. So. And even hitting hitting a heavy bag to sparring, that alone, you know, that's another thing. It's like hitting a heavy bag's cool, but there's nothing. You don't have to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to put your hands up really if you don't want to. So yeah, to to that point, it's like. Is the specificity of what you're doing actually going to carry over into into the competition part? Yeah, of that? that's fascinating to me. Because yeah. it's really like we talk about developing athletes, right? 
And I think that conversation is very valid. We're not talking about how many sets of squats you need to do. Right. From a physiological standpoint, we could. Right. But it's also like, what are we trying to transfer onto the core? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, you know, being a meathead at heart, um, I used to really value bench press, you know, mm. and I thought that was a cool movement. And then, but then it kind of dawned on me years ago, like certainly, well, there's time and a place for, for doing that. I, I don't bench press much. I'd probably floor press a guy now just for safety, but there's a lot of good stuff you can gain from that hormonally. But like how often is a guy laying on a plank in a game and pressing something off of his chest? So it's like, uh, uh, it, it's important to kind of really think specifically like why am I doing what I'm doing and not just kind of go through the motions. So I think as a, as a field, if we can continue to kind of evolve and refine what we do, it's only going to help improve everybody. That's amazing. How do you, because you brought a great point. It's like you actually like thinking about stuff and you like, you, you said the word like as a field and like, because you mentioned to me earlier, like you have your little routine in the morning, yeah. like one day, Every day you read for an hour in the morning yeah. is your first thing. Um, what got you to start rethinking training? That's a great question. Um, I, I think maybe early on I wasn't getting the results that I was expecting or wanting from a lot of the training that I was doing. And for I, yourself or for No, for when I was training guys. Okay. Um, and it was for a variety of reasons. There's yeah. always, it's always, you know, multi-layered, multifactorial mm -hmm. why those things happen. But I think just going to the drawing board and kind of when I learned maybe four or five years in to, to doing this, like I've got to audit myself and figure out, like That's I have amazing. to be able to look in the mirror and, and be honest with myself that like maybe something that I believed in before isn't working in the way that I thought it was and you got to be willing to change. And so if you don't attach your ego to the process, you can grow so much faster. You wow. know, if, if, if you're like, this is what I believe, this is, you know, and, and that's almost everything in the every, philosophy of this that you believe if you're not willing to kind of uh, audit yourself and, and figure out is this working or not working I think it's going to slow down your progress so um, when I believe in something I'll stick with it until I'm proven otherwise but um, I, I'm always open to you know shifting or making some tweaks here and there based on is it actually getting the result that I want it's, everything causes a result right mm -hmm. but is it the result is it a good result is you know, what you're looking for yeah, exactly that's amazing. I appreciate the honesty on that because, like, sure. I feel like our field, like you said, is guarded from an ego standpoint. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I've been doing this method for so many years yeah. or whatever. Like, I got so and so stronger. But the reality is, we do have to check the ego at the door, and we have to like self-audit for sure. And it's a it's a macho field. I mean, there's people. You know, everybody has a certain amount of ego, and some of that can be healthy. It can drive you to levels of success. But if it's to the point where it's that holding you, you back from being training. honest with yourself, you mm -hmm. know, then it, that can be tough. Yeah, that's cool. Any any episodes that you can share uh, from your own, like maybe something happened and you're like, hey, you went home and you're like, yes, I need to change that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I mean, there there there's been plenty. Um, I think so. I was a, I was also a power lifter in high school and I could deadlift a lot of weight, but I don't think my form was very good. Um, but I always value deadlifting. I knew that like that, you know, developing your posterior chain and the hinge pattern was pretty important. You're going to get stronger hamstrings, glutes, even your, you know, your back strength, even your upper back improves. Um, and so I would just have guys do it. And, uh, there, there'd be a point where I'd push on deadlift with certain guys and guys, sometimes a guy's back would get tight or light up or some guys, you know, I've, I had a time at which a guy had a spasm. And so I had to really examine like. I knew deadlift was still good, but I kind of stopped doing it. 
uh, as much just because the risk to reward for at the time was yeah. was not there, you know. So um, it took me a while, maybe a couple years before I started to revisit it again. And that was something that I, you know, now it's it's a staple of my program as it always should have been, but I just wasn't doing it with as much attention and te- uh, with as much attention to detail mm-hmm. as I should have. Um, and so kind of that I had to take a step back, check my own ego and 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 really listen to some people who may may not have even had as much experience as me, but had way better um, cueing and, and technique on, on uh, deadlifting and how they taught it. So that'd be one example. Yeah, um, there was there's been many, though. No, but, it's either that, yeah. but that, you learn so much from a statement like that. Yeah. You know, personally, sure. Me, yeah. but I think that we have so much power in our story, though. Totally. And experience yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and, and as much as we can um, share openly and honestly, I think that's, you know, if we're just kind of all protecting our ego and sitting back here, that, that gets to be a, a, like not very productive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah. Cool. I mean, one thing that we always ask um, uh, our guests is, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people trying to get where we are, yeah. right? Um, for the young strength coaches there, what do you think, what would be your message now sure. uh, to get into the field? Not, I mean, maybe necessarily in the basketball, but like just get into the field and be yeah. successful. Um, and I, I started off 15 years ago, and honestly, at the time, it was so much easier to get in than it is now. It's never been easy, easy. You still have to show a certain amount of proficiency, a good attitude, your ability to connect with people on a variety of levels and with a variety of backgrounds. Um, but I, I think, you know, number one now would be, uh, again, be a very good strength coach first before you assume, like take, be willing to take the time to improve your skill set. you know, um, whether that's attending courses. Um, my, my biggest uh, uh, jump forward was when I started connecting with mentors who are willing to take the time with me. So finding a mentor is critical. Um, and then... Just be willing to uh, understand that you're not going to make a ton of money right off the bat. I mean, some people get fortunate and they get into good, good, uh, you know, career paths right off the bat. But typically in this field now, especially um, internships and, and kind of being able to work for free where you're learning a ton and, and actually connecting with the right people to get you where you want to go. Um, it's, it's really important. And if you kind of try to jump ahead or, or take shortcuts, I think your path's going to be a lot longer than... If I know this guy's been working for three years under a person that I respect and has been a great learner, mm-hmm. but also shown some leadership qualities, I'd, I'd be really interested in talking to that person besides somebody who's a really good networker and goes to all the conferences and connects to the people at the very top. Like, I don't know where they, they for me, that's just not as appealing of a, of a person. I don't think you understand the respect that you should have for the field because there's been a lot of people that have... Um, paid dues and, and kind of helped to progress it where it is now. Now I think people at the at the top of the field can make good money and there's there's some really cool positions out there. But it took a while for basketball in general just to value what we do and, and how it can actually help the sport. Let's get into because we do have a couple more minutes. Yeah. Let's get into like like how do you refine your own edge as a coach? Yeah. You know I, I want to get into that little like you talked about your routine in the mornings. Sure. Um, or like the ability that you have to read outside of yeah, coaching itself. Yeah. I, I think if your head is too much in um, the scientific or mm, coaching aspect of this field, you're not going to expand your own skill set and thought process enough to where you can start to actually 
uh, continue to grow. That, that's kind of a weird answer, but does that make sense at all? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I think you have to have broader interests that you can pull in to, maybe you can, now, like, as you guys know, being able to connect with other people in this, you know, you're with your athletes is, is critical. It's, yeah. it's you know, I, I've met people who are brilliant unbelievably well-read, had a million uh, options in their tool belt of different strategies to help somebody, but just weren't really good communicators and they ended up the failing out. Yeah, and, the, and the, the inverse of that too is you, I've met some people who are unbelievably socially skilled um, and connect with people and get it going and, and the guys like training with them, you know, um, but they just didn't really know enough about the field. But I've kind of been more on the like, the process of the scientific aspect of training, like how do I, uh, you know, scientifically what's proven to work for mm -hmm. these guys and how can I do that? And so um, having a, a broader perspective and, and different ways of thinking where I can converse with the people that I'm working with about a variety of things, I think that's huge. Um, but then it maybe gets you thinking about your training itself in a different way too. So I think just kind of broadening your perspective is is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Share with us some of the stuff that you like outside of coaching. I know yeah. we talk about martial arts. If you want to dive sure. into that, you can. I, I have a family too, and that's been an education into itself. I have a, a one-year-old, a six-year-old, and, and a wife of ten years now. So that's awesome. um, those have been uh, some of my greatest learning experiences, and just kind of getting a better perspective of. Um, all that stuff has been has been great, um, and that, that kind of helped to now. I you know if a player is having uh, some stuff going on at home or different stresses that with their family, good or bad or whatever, it's uh, you kind of can empathize and understand where they're coming from a little more. So I, I that, that's uh, not like a it is chosen, but it's not necessarily a chosen way to broaden my uh, uh, perspective on coaching. But it's, it's certainly a huge piece for me, and then. Um, I love traveling too and just meeting different people, seeing different parts of the world. So I think that's huge also, just kind of, again, broadening your perspective and understand where, where people from all around the world are kind of, you know, how the perspective can be completely different based on where they grew up. So it's, uh, you know, those would be a couple, couple main things of just kind of getting a, a better depth of understanding of being a human being. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you're basically reading about anything that parks your interest? Yeah, I just finished, just like four days ago, a book called Sapiens. Okay. Um, it basically is like, it's broad, it's really dense uh, information too, but it was fascinating. Like the, the uh, evolution of, of the human uh, species. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been great and it kind of plays into what we were talking about too. I'm, I'm reading the book of Five Rings now, but it's... Um, okay. It's, it's kind of plays in with martial arts too. I'm gonna to go away from this. I'm reading another book about how beneficial water and being by the beach is and so how that can give you so many different uh, benefits too. So I'm kind of trying to touch on a lot of stuff. Diversify. Absolutely, yeah. and I, I don't read too terribly much about the same subject all the time. I like to kind of just branch out into something new. When I finish something up, I try to go after something new that's completely different, different just direction. to kind of yeah. Yeah, keep, the, keep the thought process fresh. That's interesting. And then you do that in a very routine way. Um, here, yes, at home with yeah. family and stuff like that. Not not nearly as easy. Yeah, exactly. I would love to read more at home, but you know, you got a one-year-old or a six-year-old climbing yeah. on you. It's not the not the best time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I find spots here and there on the uh, at home, but typically on the road or in here, it's been ideal because we're not traveling, and so yeah. every day you wake up and you kind of can get in a routine. I would imagine like prison, obviously not comparing this to that, but there's a, there's a routineness to it that I would yeah. say probably is similar. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. Um, 
I'm gonna shift. How did you get your first job and how did you get your last job? Yeah, um, my first job I was actually, so right after college I had to do an internship to finish up my degree and so I worked at University of Washington and I latched on with the men's and women's basketball team. I started off with football and that was cool. I kind of knew that already though. I'd, I'd been a football player in college and kind of understood what that type of training was. And then I saw basketball, I was like, that's pretty interesting. That's a little different. There's uh, some different qualities they're looking at and it's not, um, they're not capable. Uh, their bodies are just different, just longer levers and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And they, they value different things athletically. So I thought that was really interesting. So I dove down that rabbit hole and found that I really connected with those type of athletes, um, the men and the women, a lot easier. So I got a job with the, uh, the Seattle Storm, and I was the assistant strength coach okay. for the Sonics, so kind of was was dual rolled there. And Shapiro that, did that too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys are like we have. So I mean, it's it's unbelievable yeah. how our paths have kind of you know intertwined a lot, and we we keep in touch. Now we just look back and laugh because we've both been doing it for so long. I read your bio, and I'm like, wait a minute, am I reading? Is this Shapiro's tab? <laughs> right, there's a, a lot of, lot of similarities for sure. So no, yeah, that's we, funny. we and now we're both in LA too. LA. So, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. So we, needless to say, we talk. A lot of shit to each other but uh it, we, we have a fun time doing it um, yeah. so um they said if you're the strength coach for the storm you're going to be the uh, assistant strength coach for the sonic so i jumped at that um great opportunity say no to that right no not at all no the basically yeah the lakers the lakers job opened up and i ended up getting it and uh, it was a region of the country that i really wanted to live in so um with an organization obviously with a pretty rich history in the sport and it all kind of ended up working out pretty well i mean from a strength and conditioning standpoint and performance like you work for an organization like lakers it's yeah. like it's like that's a that's something to have in your resume you're gonna for look sure. back and you yeah. know grandchildren will be like yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool yeah. yeah so um at this point you know being in it for, for you know I, I don't think i'm gonna do um, this specific uh, type of job forever and so you know eventually I'd like to kind of get out and, and apply what I do to a lot of different things but um, I'm really just value the experience at this point I'm gonna do it for as long as I can here with the Lakers and then uh, you know take it into the next phase after that but now I just kind of take it day by day and appreciate you know the the whole experience and kind of the 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 path leading to this point where we're at now yeah so actually you brought up a, a great point and we talk about this a lot too what what it's like kind of like chatting the strength coach if chatting the strength coach wasn't the strength coach what would chat be doing or mm -hmm. if you want to go even further it's like you said this is a career that's finite and what will be the next step for you yeah um a great question and, and something i think about regularly um if I didn't do this, I feel like I'd honestly be training people in, in uh, you know, a different scenario, a different setting, because I do value just developing human mm -hmm. physiology is fascinating to me. Um, but besides that, I think there's a, you know, I've always been really interested in like, how can I leave the, the world better than I found it? And so just, um, you know, different social issues, um, helping people that are at risk or in underserved communities has always been a really uh, big drive of mine and a passion of mine. I don't really talk about it too much or put it out there. I just kind of end up um, working with various organizations and, and people that kind of are interested in that also. And so that's not really a, a money-making vehicle. That's more of just kind of a, yeah, satisfy my own soul kind of a, a, a task that I've taken That on. shows your diversity as a coach though, Yeah, I think. Yeah. So yeah, I think you know if if I didn't uh, if I didn't do this, I'd probably be a trainer 
who knows where. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when I'm done, I'd kind of like to dive down the, the um, you know, uh, how can I say this without being political? <laughs> but just, you know, helping other people wherever I can that are, yeah. that are, that are at risk, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. we, we talk about this. It's like, and, and there's no knocking um, older coaches, right? And, and you start getting to your 45, 50, 55. Yeah. It's like the job demands are, you know, you, we, we're moving a lot of equipment. Yeah. Like you got to have a certain energy. There, the, the, the travel, is it takes a right? toll on you yeah. too. It's awesome, but it also takes a toll on yeah. you too. So yeah, there's a, um, one thing that's been good for me, Gunner, you know, working with him is he's, he's a little bit, he's older than me and he holds up really well and, and mm -hmm. makes it look easy. And so that's kind of inspirational in its own way. And Dwight Dabu was one of my first mentors was in his fifties when he was doing this. So I think it's doable to, yeah. to carry it into to your later years. Um, probably wouldn't be my most ideal thing though. So I'd like to transition this into something really cool someday, but for right now I'm, I'm grateful to have this yeah. opportunity and enjoying it for all it's worth and we'll do it for as long as it'll have me. You, and then this, this is just personal interest. Um, and I feel like I'm kind of like excluding Felipe because oh, I'm just not having all these questions, yeah. you know, but, yeah. uh, jump in man, anytime. But like, like, and we share this a lot too. It's like financially we, we talk about like, yeah, the field, like it, it pays well, we have good positions, but then there's also the other side of that, yeah. which for a while you don't make a lot. Yeah. Uh, and now we're talking about retirement. We're talking sure. about being ready for that step. Yeah. Any tips or any advice that you have or a mentor share with you of things that as a strength coach you should be looking at for that either the rainy yeah. day and COVID was a big hit on a lot of people. For sure. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously Hopefully changed. Hopefully this makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it does. Um, it's the, the field is different now because obviously in-person training is, is tough. So... Um, you know, with so many restrictions with public gyms and even private gyms, it's, uh, it's changed the field and a lot of people are doing things virtually, stuff like that. That doesn't appeal to me nearly as much. Um, so that being said, in this climate, I don't really have a, a, a great contingency plan. If, if things don't work out, I just would kind of have to, to figure it out. Um, there's so many things that are changing so quickly right now. Um, I think being nimble and pliable and you know, finding your opportunities wherever you can is, yeah. is going to be, you know, being a quick thinker, being able to some, someone yeah, that can network a little bit and, mm -hmm. um, you know, be able to connect with the people that you value. Uh, I think hopefully that can kind of provide some opportunities. That's always how I've kind of operated. Um, I have my network. It's not huge, but it's, it's pretty, you know, people that are in the right places that can kind of point me in the right direction. So I definitely would call on that. But, um, yeah, I, I think these are these are weird times. So it's yeah. uh, I don't know if there's a path that I could say that would apply to now because things have changed already. You know, so yeah. um, having a contingency plan in the backyard, I, got, I have a few things that I think I could fall back on mm -hmm. that, that are there. But um, you know, it's it's an uncertain time, so I don't think I have anything concrete that would be really useful for for you know these this where we're at as a as a. But you you mentioned though you answered just being adaptable. Yeah, for sure. You I know? think that that's probably the biggest piece is it, is yeah it's it's you have to be pliable right now. Yeah. It's, uh, so many things are changing. Um, you know, if you have principles and you have a background of of uh, training and experience, things like that, that's certainly going to play a, yeah. a big role in you know your next step. But uh, besides that, I think just being able to look for opportunities in the right place and and be creative and be crafty when you have to. And, yeah, and, you know, try to talk to the right people.
It's funny, um, and this is a quick story. Um, so I lived in Canada for a while, mm -hmm. and uh, I met a good friend of mine, and then he he kind of followed a little bit of my footsteps. So when yeah. I interned in the U.S., he was like, hey, how about that? So when I finished my internship, I kind of said, hey, you guys should look into this guy. Yeah. So he ended up interning there as well. And then fast forward, he ended up becoming a full-time strength coach in Canada. Right. He went back to Canada yeah. and did all that. But now basically got furloughed because of the whole COVID yeah. situation. But because he has a very strong construction background. Oh, nice. Like he's something so, to fall back on. Yeah, yeah. so like he's sending you Snapchats, right. project of the day, and like he's moving <laughs> a dock out, or like he's like, you know, like cleaning some land or whatever. Right. Yeah. And then I'm like, it was, I just reply back. I'm like, I'm going to come and intern with you. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you know, Honestly, like, like just some, some like good, honest man, like farming or, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. It's, it's kind of appealing. I think, you know, if, if the shit hits the fan and we're kind of in a weird space, that maybe, uh, and we're, we're, you know, survivalists at that yeah. point. They, like, they, you know, who knows? It's uh, construction, um, you know, being a carpenter or like being a farmer or being an artisan, things like that. Those will all have a, a space, yeah. you know, forever. So, you know, if you can find your way in, in, you know, doing those things, I think you'll always have a vocation. Uh, it's, to me, it's just fascinating because it's a journey of life a little bit. For sure. You know, For sure. being able to adapt and morph and and, and think you know we're, we're one we're still in one of the more stable even right now we're still in one of the more stable times in human history like mm. there's been crazy wars crazy migrations you know people have had to deal with uh, way worse stuff than we're dealing with now we still have the we're in air conditioned in florida and sipping water and it's bottled or you know i mean it's yeah, we yeah. have we have pretty easy lifestyles in a lot of ways for sure but um you know you never know where where things are going to go so that's awesome yeah. Uh, thank you so much. My pleasure, man. This thank is fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, appreciate both you guys. I've known Felipe for a long time and always respected his work, and so appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you, Ken. Actually, yeah. we, what was the idea? We gotta make the guest speak a word in Portuguese. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, you yeah, probably know Portuguese. Obrigado. Obrigado. Muito bem. Onde fica la restaurante? That's good. That's good. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys.